Yes, we program ourselves into the future. And uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Point and Click Radio. I'm Bob Lawton. And I'm Jim Hyde on the coast. And we are the bi-weekly computer show here on KZYX, the place where we answer your computer questions and bring the latest computer and Internet news. I was on assignment two weeks ago, um, which is to say we had family visiting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's I an assignment. Show out. That's an assignment. <laughs> That is an assignment. So, it, it is, definitely. Um, but it's, I'm glad to be back, and uh, it's good to see you, my friend Bob. Yes, glad you're here. And uh, we covered a, a few things last uh, show. Uh, I mentioned a couple of apps. Watch Duty, which is a yeah. Firewatch app for California, developed by Sherwood Fire... Pro, Sherwood forestry products that's it um which will sh uh, give real-time fire update information and the cool thing about it is that you can set that app up to give notifications it's available yeah, it's a great app uh, what's it called again watch duty watch duty and watch duty is a free app for your apple uh, mobile devices or your android mobile devices get it at the um app store for whatever platform you have and um and it and it one of the, one of the things I really like about it is that it aggregates, it combines feeds from a lot of different sources. Yeah, they're Nixle alerts, um, you know, Cal Fire alerts, and uh, sad to say, it's that time of year. It's kind of pretty much almost always that time of year anymore. Well, um, but yeah. it's a great app to have to um, to uh, to get notifi notifications. Get yeah, I guess you could call it. Fires. You could call it a fire portal. <laughs> Yeah, it is sadly sad to say. But yeah. I mean, it, it's nice in a way that it does it. And the, the way you yeah. can set up, uh, you can accept notifications and set it up so you'll get notifications. And I think it's fairly granular in how, you know, you can notify if this fires anywhere or, you know, within a certain number of miles of where you are or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And the other app I mentioned that I'm really happy with, and I've been telling people about it whenever I can uh, get them to stand still for more than 20 seconds, is Yuka, Y-U-K-A. That's the app that lets you scan the barcode on food products and health and beauty products like cosmetics and get a really serious breakdown about what the components are. It's, it's, it's uh, like a nutrition label on, well, I would say steroids, but they would probably downrate that. <laughs> On caffeine, maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, but free I... Free trade, shade-grown caffeine. Yes. <laughs> That's... And what's it called again? Yuka, Y-U-K-A. Uh, the programmers are in Paris, France, one of my favorite cities. And um, it, it works. Uh, I took it into the store and checked some things. I went into my medicine cabinet and my, you know, my cosmetics uh, department in my bathroom and looked at all the stuff, and it just worked flawlessly. And uh, it works to give you... Um, the readout for free, but they also have an annual membership, which I'm going to get because it has additional features and it, it adds extra depth and extra versatility to the program. But it it still has the basic. It's it's a nice program because it has the basic functionality, and it's they're just so honest and and straightforward, um, and very very. Uh, clear about the fact that they're not there to sell products to people mm -hmm. they're there mm -hmm. to be a service because one of the things that it will do it'll go through the database and it'll recommend alternatives to whatever you scan so there's like 10 or 15 mm -hmm. products that have higher ratings on their on their goodness scale they rate things on a scale out of a hundred for and the for the cos cosmetics do you know um whether this is something that uh, uh that, that my wife toby 
uh, the point and click research desk by the way she's on assignment tonight yes. um uh, one thing that she always likes to research for cosmetic products or soaps and whatnot is whether or not the product um, is tested on animals or not she will only patronize products that are not tested on animals right that, and there, there are websites where you can look that information up um, and I would think that would be a really nice thing to I, add to have in Yucca. I don't know. I would uh, I would uh, be interested in finding that out. Um, I think they're just concentrating on on what the actual ingredients are. You know, they uh, they really knock things down for preservatives because a lot of cosmetics and uh, uh, bathroom products have um, preservatives in them, which yeah. are just not. They're there to make the stuff last longer on the shelf, not to increase your. Uh, benefit from using them so sure i just took a whole bunch of things with preservatives down to the uh recycling <laughs> right, <laughs> right there you go. There anyway you go. yucca it's available i believe it's right now it's may only be for uh, apple Pro iphone and ipad mm. you know i don't know i'll double check on that too but um it's one of the most impressive things i've seen come out of uh you know third party uh startup type developers because they're just so uh, they're so unique when they in, in their presentation nice nice um, and, and while you were mentioning that I did a quick uh, uh, search engine search for um, for folks who might be interested in looking for um, products that uh, cosmetic products that are not tested on animals and there are a couple of websites that do um, list these things one is a website called cruelty-free-kitty.com cruelty-free-kitty.com um, and the other is, um, as you might expect, uh, the PETA, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, uh, PETA.org, um, also has a page. If you go to the search engine of your choice and just search for the phrase cosmetics without animal testing, cosmetics without animal testing, you will get, uh, you'll get some good lists for um, what are often described as cruelty-free um, cosmetic products. You know, that's a, that's a whole... Uh that's a whole area that isn't really discussed very much anymore. I know PETA and the other groups that uh, are serious about animal welfare, welfare and animal protection are doing their jobs, but that stuff still goes on, you know. Oh, big time. Oh, big time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. On. And, you know, there, there are so many different levels of kind of controversy behind animal testing. There's animal testing for... Um, you know, medical and scientific research, and and and, um, and um, medications and things like that. And then there are there's animal testing for perfumes and you know and 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 uh, um, cosmetic brands, shampoos. Um, yeah. And people fall in different parts of that spectrum of well, you know, I'm I'm against all of it, or you know, the scientific and medical stuff. Well, okay, it doesn't make me comfortable, but I try not to think about it. Yeah. And then there's the you know, then the, just the, the the easiest kind of uh, easiest, I guess you could say, um, if that sort of thing, animal welfare is is important to you, is the um, the animal free cosmetic angle, because there are lots of big name brands that don't test. On animals. Well, and it's good because I'm sure the products are just as effective. What they're doing is they're using yeah. the animals uh, as guinea pigs, I guess. That's what you would uh, call that's, them. Yeah. Yep. And if something goes wrong with the animal, well, maybe that ingredient is just a little too harsh to put on humans. Why not just test it on humans and pay people to be testers? <laughs> exactly. I'm sure this... Well, at this time in the advancement of science and, and human civilization, we probably know which 
surface surfacence and 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 detergents are you know harmful and not so just yeah so yeah yeah it's, it's it's a good list go go to your search engine and go and search for cosmetics without animal testing and you'll get a whole bunch of uh of of events of uh of entries. Yeah, and I'm going to check on Yuka and see if they include that information. Mm, yeah, I, I yeah. Don't, I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah. Um, M- MCN. Uh, we've been following the status of MCN since that uh, uh, school board meeting. What back in uh, was it uh, June or June? I believe. Yeah. Yeah, when the uh, Mendocino School Board decided to put up uh, the Mendocino Community Network for sale. Right. As surplus property, possibly. <laughs> right. And um, they re- released a statement, um, oh, I think just a couple. I, I mentioned it on, on the last show. Actually, it was hot off the press on the last show. That was July 27th. Uh, MCN is still open for business and ready to serve and support our customers. All of our outside operations staff and inside operations agents are available during normal business hours. So nothing's really changing at this point. Um but they have begun the process of selling off the Mendocino Community Network. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. It's, it's yeah. up in the air at this point. And we'll certainly keep, uh, keep, keep coverage, uh, keep it covered on, uh, on that important issue um, as, uh, as, it, as it evolves here on Point and Click. Right. And I really hope all of my friends with MCN addresses can keep them. <laughs> That's, yes, me too. As one, as a person who has as one. one, who has one, yes, <laughs> an original. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've been an MCN customer since about 1995, yes. and I've got you know, I've got a couple of domains that are hosted by um, MCN, and uh, and yeah, and my email too. So. Oh, but but we do have an update because when we were closing off that show uh, a month ago uh, with the original news about MCN, uh, towards the end. I think it, maybe it was off after we went off the air. I don't know if it went on the air or not, but I said to you that they really should put up a bronze plaque with the, uh, you know, yes. with the whole history of MCN, you know, marking the spot where it happened. And guess what? There is one. Yes. Um, yes, our, our, our good friend, um, Mitch Sprague, who was the business manager of MCN for many years, um, wrote to say, listen to the show. And oh no, he must have mentioned it on the air because he, he commented he picked on it. it. Up. Yeah, yeah, um, and he said, as it happens, and I, I actually remembered he had shared that very awesome news with me um, a long time ago, um, and I completely forgot about it. And so, yeah, yeah there is a, uh, there is a, uh, out there at is the uh, Mendocino High School, I think. I remember that building. I've been in that building before too because I visited MCN one time, and that's yeah. right in front of that old wooden building there where they started it. But exactly. it's a real. And actually, actually, it was Mark Morton who who was a teacher and again one of the early MCN uh, um, um, founders. And it was it was Mark who emailed me afterwards and said, "Yep, we do have one." And oh. He sent a picture of it, and uh, that was his and picture. It's awesome. then. There's an actual, you know, it's got the NASA logo on it and the Unified Mendocino Unified District. Um, school district logo and the Autodesk Foundation, which was also involved in um, the very first um, uh, wiring of the Mendocino Coast to the internet. Right, and uh, and so it's it's cool. There's a there's a brass plaque there commemorating the historic. Yeah, uh, and that, that's what I was really hoping for was the old 
Star Trek version of the NASA logo when it's on there. Exactly. I love yeah. that. that was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was so fun. Anyway, yeah. as MCN News unfolds, hey, um, there's some other network news, and I think I heard something about Starlink. The uh, isn't that yeah. isn't that uh, Elon Musk's uh, that is floating indeed, satellite uh, uh, one of Elon Musk's um, adventures. Yes, and it is the the low Earth orbiting satellite internet system that. Um, it's actually pretty darn good. Um, it's a it's way better than the old school HughesNet type satellite systems. Um, it's a lot faster, a lot less uh, latency because the satellites are closer to the planet. Um, and they um, applied for and were kind of provisionally granted a eight hundred million dollar grant from uh, the federal government through the FCC under Ajit Pai, the former. Um, FCC commissioner, um, and along with another provider, to help bring rural um, internet connectivity to areas like ours. Well, just in the last couple of days, um, that um, that grant was rescinded uh, because the FCC. The, apparently, there's kind of an oversight committee that's going back and looking at things that you know that the previous yeah the previous uh, administration's FCC okay <laughs> and saying you know, vetting them as to whether or not they think they're still okay um, and they uh, they withdrew that grant um, pointing out a couple of valid things you know one of the definitions one of the FCC's definitions of broadband is that you have to have upload speeds of 20 megabits per second or faster and Starlink very often does not um, it's usually in the town of 10 to 12 megabit upload speed, which is still very nice and fast. And the download speeds are screaming. They're 10 to 20 times that, 100 to 200 megabits per second down, wow. um, which is what most people do. Um, but nonetheless, you've got to, if you're going to get, if you're going to, you, you must be this tall to ride the roller coaster. If you, you know, if you're going to be eligible, to, if you're going to apply for a broadband rural internet grant, um, then you have to have a service that meets the minimum specs for broadband, which is 20 megabits per second minimum upload speeds. Yeah. Anyway, I think I heard something, uh, on some news report or somewhere about the Starlink 2 satellite, which um, apparently there's some complaints about light pollution. The current generation of satellites causes uh, problems with people that want to use their telescopes for astronomy and stuff like that. Do you know anything oh, yeah. about that? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, okay. there are thousands of Starlink satellites in orbit, and you can, if you look at light, uh, you know, um, astronomy and Starlink or some search engine query like that, you'll see photographs of beautiful, dramatic skies and lots of streaks of uh, the, oh, the satellites okay. going overhead. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing has been a problem ever since, like, shortly after Sputnik. <laughs> because oh, okay. <laughs> telescopes are seen. But when you have thousands of them, yeah. then obviously it's much more of a problem than it was in, you know, in the early 1960s. Sure, it kind of scales up. Uh, anyway, I heard that the new satellite is much larger than the original one, and uh, mm. they're, they're mitigating the, um, the problem with the... Uh, um, you know the um, light pollution. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And hopefully, uh, but apparently, the it's big enough that they 
can't fit in their current generation of rockets, so they're waiting for a larger, <laughs> larger rocket. Than well, you think would have thought that through. <laughs> you would have thought so, you know. But maybe uh, one one part of the company wasn't talking to the other. Wow. And anyway, that'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Yeah. Well, we have a grab a grab bag of other news items to uh, to, to share with you tonight on this edition of Point and Click Radio with Bob and Jim, the biweekly computer show. Um, we also want to open up the phones and take calls and questions. Um, we're going to start out with a couple of privacy-oriented stories because they're ones that we always issues that we always like to cover on the show, um, and a couple of them deal with privacy in a post Roe v. Wade world. Um, you may have seen this story that um, some private Facebook chats between a Nebraska mother and her daughter um, have been used by law enforcement to build a criminal case against the teen for getting a now illegal abortion in her home state of Nebraska. I'm reading here from a register.com article. This appears to be the first case in post-Roe America of law enforcement obtaining a search warrant and essentially forcing a tech company to help them prosecute an abortion case. Um, there are a lot of other nuances behind the story, some of which are not really suitable for a family-oriented computer radio show like this one, but it illustrates the fact that um, in a post-Roe world, um, it states that have outlawed abortions are already using um, search warrants to be able to force big tech companies to turn over uh, information like chat uh, chat histories to be able to uh, to have, to able to to be able to prosecute a uh, a case. And uh, in a kind of semi-related story, also from the Register, um, data brokers are amassing profiles of pregnant women, and of course, it's all up for sale. Reading here from the article in theregister.com, nearly 3 billion profiles and other pieces of data belonging to actively pregnant women or those, quote, shopping for maternity products worldwide are for sale by U.S. data brokers. According to an investigation, uh, it uncovered uh, 32 different data brokers who are selling uh, access to mobile IDs of individuals who appear to be pregnant or buying stuff as if they were. Um, so you can buy a load of IDs that meet a certain set of requirements. You know, somebody who's buying, uh, you know, baby products. Uh, and then ensure that uh, those ad networks will display ads for those devices. Now, that kind of data is usually anonymized. In other words, it's not assigned to specific people. But with enough data, people can be de-anonymized through their whereabouts, their backgrounds, and their habits. Uh, even if you avoid Facebook or Twitter, for example, the Internet's data brokers can still form a profile of you from your online activities by following you around using the assigned ID. So, um, you know, and, and the article continues in the Roe v. Wade angle in light of the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade in states where abortion is now illegal, this data could put women at risk of prosecution, either from law enforcement or from private citizen vigilantes looking to collect bounties on women seeking to terminate their pregnancies. Um, we mentioned in a show maybe a month or two ago, shortly after the uh, Supreme Court's decision, uh, we did a little segment on 
um, online privacy in a post Roe v. Wade um, world. And we suggested just using, if you are um, interested in learning more and learning ways to protect your privacy, which are which is, is a good idea no matter what, um, go to the search engine of your choice and do a, a website for the phrase online privacy abortion. And you'll get a lot of articles. A lot has been written about it. A lot of tips and advice has been shared. And um, if you just go to the search engine of your choice and do uh, that web search, that web search, um, you'll get a lot of uh, a lot of good articles. Um, Jim, one of the important things about this particular story, the Nebraska story, and uh, users of Facebook Messenger is that uh, Facebook Messenger has the capacity to be encrypted end-to-end. That means only the two people that uh, send and receive the messages to each other are able to actually read the content. Everything from uh, the point of origin to the point of... um, reception is uh, encrypted in transmission and it means that the records of what was sent is encrypted and not not available uh, to anybody else. The problem with Messenger is uh, end-to-end encryption or E2EE as it's referred to Mm. you know as an abbreviation E2EE it's actually harder to say that than end-to-end encryption. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not enabled by default, number one, and number two has to be enabled on a contact-by-contact basis. So out of the box, it's it's not user-friendly, and you have to set it up for every single one of your contacts, contact-by-contact basis. It's just yet another reason why I will never install Facebook Messenger oh, yes. on any device that no. I have. That and it also asks for your all of your contacts, and it's just you know why give Zuckerberg and company all of that information? Um, or the Nebraska State Troopers? I mean, that's or that that's such a yeah. violation of of people's privacy. Uh, I don't know what the actual legal circumstances are. I know a lot of states that have not completely outlawed abortion or or women's choice still have some pretty draconian draconian limitations on when you are able to uh, access the services if that's something you deem necessary yeah anyway uh this is from daring fireball and uh gruber's final comment is no one should trust a messaging service that isn't exclusively end-to-end encrypted amen yep that's it and um, and of course, Apple. You know the iMessages feature uh, that Apple uses is end-to-end encrypted, and the free WhatsApp program, um, which is very popular worldwide, uh, is actually kind of the, one of the most the popular one of the most popular messaging platforms. Um, is also end-to-end. Right. Right. Um... Anyway, um, that, it's just talking about text messages, another big thing that's come up recently is the whole thing with the Secret Service and the, uh, the deleted <laughs> messages. Yeah. Now, this is really interesting because if the only way they would be able to get the record of these messages if they if they use plain SMS unencrypted text, which I just don't feature the Secret Service sending messages in unencrypted text, you would think that they would have... A system now. This gets pretty hairy 
to my mind, how are you going to have a system where you can keep the necessary government records and also have secure communication yeah. uh, within the Secret Service? I don't, I don't understand how this is all supposed to work. Yeah, yeah, it's that's all so strange. I mean, as you know, you've bought multiple iPhones since the iPhone came out. I have too, and yeah. when you update, you can have everything transfer over to the new one if you uh you know install a new version of the operating system the messages aren't wiped you have to make a conscious effort to really kind of reset a device back to blank slate form right. and i don't know is that standard policy when a new administration comes in um or or wasn't it <laughs> you know, we don't know yet I don't know, but apparently iCloud backups, uh, and I guess the Secret Service was using iPhones, iCloud backups, which are unencrypted, can contain yeah. the entire contents of the message conversations. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, it, it's an ongoing story, and I hope uh, they get it all sorted out. Because, uh, yeah, no kidding. It's, it's hard to say under the circumstances whether they were uh, you know, acting in good faith or not. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, why don't we give out the phone numbers before we um, sure. continue dipping into the grab bag of news items that we have here on Point and Click Radio. Uh, and you're tuned to uh, KZYX Philo, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah. This is Point and Click Radio with Bob and Jim, the bi-weekly computer show. Tonight featuring Bob and Jim. Uh, I'm here in the Ukiah studio and Jim is home at the... Um, point-and-click research desk <laughs> that's, that's right and uh, communication center uh, and he's coming in by zoom uh, tonight. Yep, yes indeed sounds like you're right here in the studio with me amazing and the phone number is 707-895-2448 to call and be on the air if you have a question or a comment and uh, uh, want to join the uh, discussion about anything if you have an opinion about Facebook Messenger or privacy issues or anything like that god there's just there's so many issues with just just uh, uh cory doctorow calls it choke point capitalism and such a perfect mm. name he has a book mm. book coming out that he co-authored with another writer and it's like um every single audiobook now has to conform to the standards for digital rights management dictated by audible now owned by jeff bezos and amazon and this means writers who you know are the freest thinkers in the world who should have complete control over their output are held by this strange digital you know the digital handcuffs that are imposed on on them if they want to sell their books and everybody wants to sell their books on amazon because that's like the only source you can really get them you know unless you right, right, right. unless you go out looking for um ways to do it we have a call coming in let's go to the okay. phones cool hi you're on the air hi you're on the air can you hear me hi yes i can can you hear me yes i can oh good uh, thanks for the program, and thanks for mentioning watch duty. Um, and I want to mention that that um, service is also available on a just on computer. There's a browser approach 
to watch Judy for people who don't have access to downloading apps. So, um, yeah, and it's a it's a fine service and it's a great help. And because it's free, I want to mention also that um, Danella Sands, after the 2017 fires in Redwood Valley and Potter Valley, she started um, United Disaster Relief. And United Disaster Relief continues to be the only service that's offered in this county that responds to people's needs after disasters. And the connection to watch duty is that Danella Sands is responsible for both of those things. So if you happen to be grateful for watch duty as a free app, which is a helpful app, feel free to support United Disaster Relief. Make a donation to United Disaster Relief. Very good. And that's what I have to say. Well, thank you for bringing that up. People work hard for the community, and the community is well served in many ways by Janella and by these two particularly useful uh, items: United Disaster Relief and Watch Duty. Nice. And so thank you for your program, and thank you for mentioning Watch Duty. Oh, you're thank welcome. You. Thanks for calling. Yeah, if you're interested in learning more right. about United Disaster Relief, uh, go to the search engine of your choice and just do a search for That's United right. Disaster right. Relief. Yeah, and they take donations of useful products, like um, if you're clearing out things in your house, they take those to pass on to people who have been through disasters, and they also are more than happy to accept financial donations. Nice. Oh, that's great. Thanks Thanks for that information. As, as is KZYX, folks. Don't forget, you heard it on KZYX. There you go. Yep. There you go. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thanks All right. Also Thank you. Yeah. Yep. I also want to encourage folks who live on the Bye. Thank you. Yeah. Also, want to encourage folks who live on the coast to uh, check out hubsandroots.net, a website called hubsandroots.net. And um, if you just go to the search engine of your choice and do a search for the phrase hubs and roots, you'll get there. And it's a really nicely done website where, um, you know, it turns out that everyone who comes to the coast or lives on the coast knows that there are a lot of bridges that um, separate um, kind of different islands uh, of the of the coast. And um, if earthquakes, tsunamis, whatever, um, oh, and roads for that matter, uh, heavy rains can collapse roads and bridges, um, the coast gets kind of divided into these more isolated islands. And this website has alternate routes map, alternate route maps. For example, say that the bridge over the big river uh, in Mendocino uh, is 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 taken down or damaged um, or made unusable for any reason. Uh, you can go to this website and get a um, a, um, a list of backwoods roads and even trails that you can use in a vehicle or on bikes or on a foot, um, whether or not they have gates. 
Um, it's a really interesting um, website for um, for the kind of preparedness that um, that everyone in this part of the world um, should uh, should be paying attention to, especially if you live in this case on the coast, because this is developed for the uh, for the uh, they're called readiness maps for the Mendocino Coast. It's hubs and the word and hubsandroots.net. Hubsandroots.net. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's and it's a really well done website. I'm glad the caller mentioned Denola Sands. She has a Facebook uh, group that uh, follows local disaster and wildfire information, and often she's the first person to uh, to um, have the information up and mm. online. And she's also listed as one of the developers of the Watch Duty app. So there you go. Good. Very cool. Um, yeah, that's that's wonderful. That was a good call. Uh, we have another call coming in. Let's go to back to the phones. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Uh, hi, yeah. My name's Jeff Malala. Uh, I was wondering if you know of, um, see what, I, I, I always heard about this thing called like mirroring of drives, or at least having like two drives available in the bays. Uh, hopefully you could find something in a laptop, but um, I find that maybe a little bit hard to find. The, the drives you know, where it's automatically, uh, you know, backing up everything as, as another second bootable drive, and all you have to do upon one drive, if it's something goes bad with it mechanically or something like that, you, right. you, you can just tell it to boot the other one and then get another drive in there and then, you know, uh, copy everything again to the, the second one and always have something that would immediately start. You wouldn't have to wait for everything to, you know, load from scratch with Windows. Windows is what I use. So do you know mm -hmm. something? Uh, other than using uh, a regular PC, you know, like a, a tower PC yeah. or something, instead of laptop? No, no. I mean, what you're, what you're talking about is a RAID, a redundant array of inexpensive disks. And this was a... Uh, a, a system that was actually invented at, at UC Berkeley a million years ago, and it involves um, two hard drives, as you just noted, where um, right. the information is being continuously. There are a different, a few different ways that a RAID drive can be set up, but the way that you're talking about, um, which I think is called RAID Level Zero, there's kind of different levels of RAID. Um, yeah. The data is written to two different drives at the same time. And if one drive dies, as you say, you can just switch over to the other one. Those kinds of things are really popular for with um, photographers, for people who are doing audio and video production, the kind of thing that, you know, not only uses a lot of data, but where you would be really doomed if, uh, if the worst happened. And um, Oh, you know, programmers who are working with millions of lines of code, you don't want your computer to yeah. hiccup up in the middle of compiling a you know, a million line uh, program. Yeah. But could a laptop, uh, I mean, I only saw like maybe one or two, and I'm not sure they're really very expensive, like gaming laptops when I don't need all that super speed. But I just, I, uh, what I found is right now what they've done with laptops is that they make it so that you have to disassemble the laptop to get to the hard drive. I don't believe it. They yeah. start a everything in place but it, it's like i want something where even if i have to buy the extra little i don't even call them the little holders or whatever you know uh then i can i can try to get software which sometimes it worked and then maybe i have to buy it again i don't know anytime something happened and i wanted to you know uh put the other drive in that i totally 
uh, you know, made a, a, a backup of that with Booth. Um, it seems like they, they, they wanted me, they, they said, you know, you, you, it's like they didn't, or if I put it in a different computer or something like that, it, it, it's like the software wasn't allowed. I had to call up the company and all. But I just thought if, if I could find a laptop that had two uh, hard disk drives already coming in it, then I wouldn't even void the warranty. Right away, I could just see that it worked, and once the warranty is gone, then I could buy my own hard drives, you know, and put them in. I don't I don't think well first of all people with uh, modern setups don't really use uh, rotating hard drives you know with the magnetic spinning platters they use solid state devices which are yeah. much, Oh that's okay yeah much no faster. I'm using them already too but, right now I, I, I yeah oh go ahead there, There's a whole bunch of accessory setups they're like small cabinets that you can stack up hard drives you know 2 4 6 8 10 hard drives in a cabinet and they're swappable hard drives so they're made so that you can slip them in and out if you want to use them for rotating uh, backups especially if you like to keep backups off-site you know for d disaster prevention and things like that and they should be able to hook up to a laptop over um, you know a high-speed USB-C connection or Thunderbolt or one of those types of okay maybe uh, things have gotten better than they have before USB was such a way you could you can't boot over USB. It, it didn't seem like, and that isn't even so bad. But the software was such that um, I got to a point at which the I would make uh, a, a total copy of the hard drive that was supposed to be bootable, and then it wouldn't boot. And then um, I kept trying it, and it still wouldn't. And it was just like, uh oh, you see what I mean? There, <laughs> so there I is... always like the idea of having two hard drives already in the computer no listen way. it's really a dark yeah, you're not going to do that you're not going to get that in a laptop um, yeah regrettably because that's just there's there's no room inside no but you oh, can, you yeah, can I suppose. laptops okay. are pretty versatile and they're most of the modern laptops are are equal to desktops in terms of what sure. levels of performance you can achieve um it's creating a bootable drive is really a dark art it's not an easy thing to do because uh, there's so many factors i mean the, the hard drive that's in the device itself is set up to be the startup drive but to have some other drive be the startup drive or to have some other configuration requires some basic it knowledge yeah at least like that master boot record and all that if, if i would need to pay like fifty dollars to a company that i could like download the uh the the special backup software does that sound unreasonable well, you, that use, you should be you use, what, what version of windows are you using uh, 10, and they're trying to get me to go to 11, but I, I figure I'm just going to stay with 10 until that happens. There is RAID support built in to Windows 10. Oh, if wow. you go to the search engine of your choice and do a search for RAID in Windows 10, um, you'll get a lot of instructions um, that you may just be able to um, do it yourself. And um, well, it won't take any more of your time than maybe other callers, but that gives me something to start on, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, RAID support is built into Windows 10, so um, yeah, um, that's a that's a good place to start. I kind of thought that, Jim. It seems like it's a it's a common enough thing, and they've yeah. made their software so versatile now for all the different um, you know. End so it's like five years have passed by because I, I used to use a Dell computer with Windows 7, and I was able to um, for a while. Be, be taking even some free software that I got when the one that I bought wasn't working so good. 
and I was able to like take the drives out of it, you know, uh, every once in a while and, and, and put another one in, you know, and, and just keep updating, you know, every once in a while, like maybe once a month, I would I'd swap them around by getting all the new information. So until I ran toward, you know, the limit, the, the drives would have, but they were able to boot and I was like amazed. Oh, wow. Well, okay. go, go search for uh, um, RAID support in Windows 10, and I um, I can attest, I just did it. You can get all kinds of information about it. Yeah, there's lots of info on it. About it. Okay. So you should be able to come up with a decision. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's one good way to keep just kind of a constant backup going. Another way, you know, if uh, if you when you have a uh, fast Internet connection is to use a cloud backup system that doesn't give you the advantage of a bootable drive um but um it does give you the advantage of having your your, your data being constantly uh updated there's a bunch of different ones like um uh carbonite uh backblaze crash plan um i use one called iBackup. it's like a 100 bucks a year and it's just you know it's a it's just oh that's good keeps my stuff keeps my stuff current um and then i use you know apple's time machine too which again doesn't give you a bootable drive no but it does give you a complete copy and you can set up time machine to to make a um make a uh to to, to run backups like practically with every other mouse click i mean you can set up <laughs> yeah, you can set it, it, it would up be annoying. <laughs> it would be annoying but um it does keep an ongoing you know a minute by minute or you know 15 seconds or 15 minute by 15 minute uh and for most people that's that's probably you know if you're doing artwork or photography editing or stuff like that not not massive data projects and things that have to have that uh, you know 100 percent security if you're just doing ordinary uh, computer work having uh, backups running every 15 minutes or something like that and, and time machine is very versatile you can yeah. you can set it up to never do it except when you order it to which you exactly know, right uh, it's convenient for some people to not have it interrupt their workflow or have it do it overnight or you know if you're working on authoring projects and things like that and you want your words backed up very quickly can be you know uh, consistently it'll do that too and to tie the whole backup issue to the issue that we talked about earlier in the show and that is fire and disaster preparedness it's always a good idea to have a backup that is off-site that is not in your house um, whether that's a drive that you give to a friend who lives someplace else not the next door neighbor because that's maybe not the safest idea um, or you use a cloud service where the where your information is backed up uh, in, in the cloud um, having lots of backups that are in the same place is um makes you vulnerable to everything from fire to theft to uh, burst pipe in the second floor above you um i think right in the glove compartment in your car is a good place too that can be yeah because as long as it doesn't get too hot well yeah yeah <laughs> but still i mean if you want to have uh you know a, a backup and a spare just rotate the spare out to the glove compartment, you know, mm -hmm. on the week you're not backing up to it. And uh, it, it'll be there if you have to take off. I mean, at yeah. least that's if a tree falls on your house or whatever. Or in your go bag or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But, yeah, we, maybe, we got lots of calls the lights cool, light, lighting up. So let's go back to the phones. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Hello. Are you there? You're on KZYX. Hello. 
I'm not getting anybody here. Let's go to the next line. Hi. Oops. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, hi. Yeah, you're on the air. I hear you. Okay. Just a word about a word about hubs and routes. If you think hubs and routes.net, it might not be as confusing if you go down the R-O-O-T-S, the roots route. Roots, hubs and roots, routes. Yeah, maybe I'm yeah. giving up the fact that I'm from western Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, okay, well, it's just a thought, hubsandroutes.net. Thank you. A fast, yes, routes is an R-O-U-T-E-S. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. I wrote down R-O-U-T-E-S. I don't know. Um, I thought that's what you said. Roots, routes. Roots, routes, yes. Um, Some people call them lightning bugs. Some people call them fireflies. I know, I know. <laughs> Hubs and roots. Uh, it's funny because the word root, you know, the thing that makes your internet connection, we call a router, but in Great Britain they call it a router. No, really? Yes, yes a router. Oh, that, yes, that, your Wi-Fi that, router. That blows my bonnet off. <laughs> <laughs> More phone calls. Hi, caller, are you there? You're on the air. I am. Oh, good. Hello. Welcome to Point and uh, Click. Hi. Uh, thank you. Uh, my name's Charlie. I live in Redwood Valley. Um, I have had three iPhones in my life. I'm talking to you on my third. The first two died exactly the same way. Um, and what happened was they all of a sudden wouldn't go online anymore i could text i could get phone calls but i could do nothing online and then when it came time to transfer the information over to the new phone because i had to get a new phone um it was almost impossible because everything's in the cloud and so the oh. last time this happened on the present phone i'm talking to you on um, I had to spend literally hours and hours and hours with these guys at the Costco booth helping me trying to download my stuff, and it sort of succeeded, but it did some weird stuff, and one of them is uh, the, my contacts transferred over, but not all of them. So I have to keep my old phone, which has its contacts in it, and if I don't have the contact. I fire up my old phone and I manually transfer it into my new phone. I've been doing this for over a year now. Oh, and then sometimes amazing. it transferred the contact, but it didn't transfer the number. It just transferred their email or something like that. Oh, I see. You know, the whole thing about the phone and the way Apple works, all that is you have to make sure that you have iCloud, which is what they call their cloud synchronization service. And I do. Working correctly. I do. Well, you might want to go back and restart that old phone and see if you can uh, synchronize that to iCloud. Because you can have all of your devices are on iCloud. If you have an iPad, an iPhone, uh, a desktop Mac, an iPod Touch, uh, even an Apple Watch uh, will connect to iCloud and, and do things on the cloud data. Hmm. So, well, these guys did everything. They were way over. I mean, you know, they had... A, had my old phone plugged in, and they were waving magic wands and yeah. saying things, you know. And I don't know what they did, but the other weird thing that's happened is that when I when I download an app, 
oftentimes it'll duplicate it. So I've got like duplicates of a bunch of apps and I don't dare get rid of them because they're things like my email and things like that. And they, and it's sort of grouping them. So I can't get rid of one of them. I have to get rid of the entire group. If if you have, if you delete one, do they all disappear? I don't dare delete them. I don't want to delete all my emails from my phone, so I don't dare delete one of them. And I wanted to ask you guys, is it safe for me to delete the one of the duplicates? Well, now, this, boy, this is this becomes a kind of a, a, a multi-pronged question. First of all, are you talking about yeah. the Apple Mail service? Or if some my emails? No, I, I have Yahoo Mail, and oh, that's all well, my email. Well, that's that's should be on the Yahoo server. You should be able. Do you have a, a different uh, another type of a device like a laptop or a desktop? Can you go into app? Go? Can you go into Yahoo and see your mail on a other computer? Yeah. Well, then it's there. It's there in Yahoo. If you just deleted the account, you know, through settings, wouldn't that just also delete? the the local copies of the email oh but yeah not- yeah well, let's see it would delete the local copies but then when you signed in again the, the copies would come off the server they, and they would there. repopulate yeah. yeah well that's how yeah i've got duplicates of my camera i've got duplicates of oh you know an app that i you that could, my moon app if it's an i've got app- duplicates of my bank um it's just all this duplicate stuff I, and even triplicate, because at the very end, it's got them all tripliceted, well, now, saved ha- into... Hang on a second. On the newer versions yeah. of the software, if you keep swiping to the left as you go through your mm-hmm. pages and pages of apps, yep. there is a... Um, it's like a library of all your apps. It's I an forget, app library. I'm looking at I it. forget what you call it. It's going to have duplicates in there, but those are just mirroring the ones uh, that are right there on your mm-hmm. on your home screens mm-hmm. so yeah i'm looking at yeah, that. I don't know that, that you have that multiple copies of those apps now i'm curious uh, i know you were talking about being in costco but who's the um who's the cell service provider for your iphone and uh, uh verizon it's verizon you might want to go iphone 12 you might want to go in okay that's a, a that's a pretty recent one that's the yeah. the one right before yeah. the newest one um you might want to yeah. just take it you know i find the people in the verizon store exceptionally helpful you might want to just take it in there and see if they can give you some you know hands-on advice they're very helpful uh you're a subscriber you pay them money for that service and i'm fi- i find them to be very tech savvy and knowledgeable about uh, about how the phones work uh maybe even more, idea. Okay. Shot. more so than the, the friendly folks at costco <laughs> well they were really nice guys and they really went above and beyond but hmm. um i got sort of a handicapped version of a download and it's been it's been okay but you know the contact thing is just I would I would bring yeah. in I would bring in your other two iPhones w- uh, with the new one and tell them explain your problem. I think you would get a lot of support from them because you know they're. And if that fails, there's the always job. the genius bar. There's always well, I, okay. Because I do have to say, I did call Verizon, and one guy said, "Oh, you're in luck. This guy knows what to do, and he's going to call you back." Never heard back from him, so I called him again, and they said, "What?" And they transferred me mm. to a supervisor, and they said, "Oh." Well, we can wipe your phone clean and set it back at factory settings. And I'm like, no, no thank no, you. No, no, That's not what you so want. they were no help over the phone. No, Verizon and Ukiah, the the, uh, the Verizon yeah. company factory, you know, official store is on Airport Boulevard down by... Um, 
on your way to Costco. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. honestly, the, the the Apple Genius Bar might be you know another good or maybe even a better bet because um, what it sounds like at the at the core of things is just a weird borked sink um, yeah. setup. There's something went wrong somewhere along the way, and the new phone um, successively has not fully synced um, uh, everything that you want it to, and. Um, you might just have to go to the source. Uh, that is Apple. Okay, and so my other question, I don't know if you can answer, is am I in danger of this happening to my third iPhone because it's been a real hassle? That's one you got to run by. Whoever, yeah. whoever troubleshoots, whoever gets you straightened out here will yeah. be able to answer that. And hopefully but you put you in a better place where that doesn't happen next time. Yeah. I would hope so. All right. Thanks for the call. Okay, guys. Bye-bye. Good luck. Thank let you. us know. Call us back yeah. and let us know what the resolution is. If there ever I is. will. If I, get, if I get any solution, I will let you know. All right. We Thank always you. want to hear the, the, uh, the postscript right. to stories. Yeah. Speaking of iPhones, um, there will probably be a new iPhone. I think it's number 14. They got through, th- yeah. they got through 13 okay, and now 14 <laughs> will be coming. That's right. Good for Apple for not skipping the number 13. <laughs> That's right. There's, a, there's, a, there's no 13th floor on the Apple headquarters. But then again, there's no fourth floor either. So. Right, right. Um, I heard a rumor that they're going to be starting to make even larger devices. Um, there's supposed to be a Apple Watch Pro model coming with a 50 millimeter screen. Which is like it's like having an index card attached to your wrist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I mean, everybody kind of mocked the. Uh, well, people started mocking the giant phones when people would walk around with the. I think the originals were like Samsungs and things like that. Long before right. Apple started making the the Pro or the the Max. Uh, or the plus the plus was the first one i think it was right. the, the iphone 6 came out with a plus model with a i don't know what was it a five and a half inch screen but now they're now they're pushing up over six inch size screens um supposedly there's supposed to be a max uh or a pro max or a plus max or something in the phone department and uh, i haven't heard anything i mean people are always speculating that they may be coming out with larger size ipads but uh, uh apparently they're they're going to dump the mini uh iphone because people kept saying everybody everybody wants a little tiny iphone that works with all the pro features but just fits in your pocket and doesn't make a big bulge and apparently they just didn't sell that well uh, interesting you know? yeah I mean, yeah, you know, a bigger screen is nice, but you, at the same time, like you said, you got to you got to be able to fit it into your pocket. Right. And you know, if you're carrying it in something separate, like a, a handbag or a briefcase or something, then hey, why not carry yeah. an ironing board around with you? Right. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> but here's the good news about these larger devices: is they have bigger batteries and longer battery life. They're, That's interesting. They're talking about that makes sense. The possibility of this. Apple Watch Pro, the 50 millimeter, lasting 36 hours on a charge, and I would be so happy. Oh, that would be nice. Wouldn't that be nice to not yeah. have to rush out to the charger, you know, when you get exactly. up in the morning and worry if you're going to run out in the middle of the day and stuff like that? And forget to put it back on and really be bummed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, we got a bunch of calls coming in, Jim. Uh, I'm really delighted that we have callers tonight. I want to go. Yeah, let's grab them in the few minutes that we have left. Get some more calls. Hi, you're on the air. Hello, caller. Are you there? You are not there. Uh, do we have a caller here on line one? Hello, are you there? 
Caller? Nope. No. Let's go to line two. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, so I was watching a show the other day. It was called uh, Nothing to Declare, and it was about the Canadian-U.S. border. And what I noticed they were doing when they looked at somebody and they'd say, oh, that person looks a little questionable, they'd say, hey, give me your phone. Oh. The person would hand them their phone, they would turn it, put it at their face, the phone would unlock, and then they showed on video these guys scrolling through all the people's pictures, you know, looking for anything they didn't like, scrolling through all the um, the texts, looking for anything that said anything about anything that they didn't like. And a couple people they rejected at the border. So if you have stuff stored on the iCloud, even if you switched your phones, it would still have access to that. So how does somebody go to a border when they don't like the fact, you know, if you get somebody that doesn't like cats and you have cats on your phone... They might deny you entry. There so, is a there is a secret button press on the iPhone. You can even do it with the phone in your pocket or handbag, and it will defeat the face recognition. It'll turn instantly turn off face recognition, so that they it, would just ask you to unlock. Your well, phone you, at that you, point. it's it's within your right to refuse. No, not when you're crossing. Well, not the under Connect Canada's rules. Under you yeah. have coming this way. But going just, to Canada, they just won't let you in. So you were, let them look at were, these inc- were these incidents happening on the Canadian side or the U.S. side? I'm, the looking, at, side. I'm looking at the Canada, the, the, Canada, the Canada Border Service Agency's website. And yes, um, what to expect if we examine your digital device? An officer will start with some questions. To examine the device, well, the, the officer will ask for the password, which will be written down on a piece of paper. You are obligated to provide your password when asked. Failure to grant may result in detention of that device under Section 101 of the Customs oh. Act or seizure of the device. So, okay, so knowing that, knowing that, so then if I want to go with a clean phone, and, um, you know, for example, anybody that has any military background, there's borders you won't be able to get across if they see any military activity. And uh, I ran into that in Africa and various places. So uh, the question is, how do I get a clean phone, be able to use the phone, and have it so that it doesn't wind up still, you know, going to my iCloud storage, and then they have access to everything. So how do you wind up going and setting up a phone that way? But you still would have your mother's telephone number on it, for example, or, you know, the things that you need. Do you guys have any It's a really interesting question. I would, here, one we don't have time to get into. No, we're almost out of time. Seconds that we have here's left. what I would do. Here's Bob's method. Buy a burner. We have here's left. what I would do. Here's Bob's method. Buy a burner and yeah. mail your phone to the person you're going to visit. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.